I don't, I don't feel like leaving his presence. You know that, that old song, I think it's a psalm from Psalms. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Again. Create in me a clean heart, O and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Thank you, Lord. You know, I just wanted to share today about this season that we're in, and I'd like to, but I just want to know if there's anybody that has any anything on their heart that they would like to share before I bring forth the teaching. I just... Hmm? How long do I have? As long as we need... This year for me, this Elul has been this Elul for me has been so unusual. I, mean, I always, you know, go through a list of questions and think about you know repentance and so forth. And I kid you not, it's like every day, almost every hour, God has just been checking me and cutting off things and turning up the heat, and it's just been. I don't even know how to describe it, except that um, it's a heavy time. I was reading the other day that uh, somebody did a, a survey of a Messianic um, conference someplace. And, of course, it was Jews and Gentiles. But they did a, a, a um, question, like, how many, when did you come to the Lord? And a huge number of the Jews came to the Lord, came to Yeshua during the fall feasts. I was surprised, that, but it is. It's a heavy, heavy time. Did you? And I was looking back a few years ago. I know that I came to God on October 3rd, 1976. I looked it up on the, what do you call that, the infinite calendar thing, and it was Erev Yom Kippur, 1976. Yeah, it's, I didn't, back then I didn't even know what that was. Um, barely even heard of the Yom Kippur War. I was so self-centered. And um, that's, it's just been amazing that God is just, continuing to peel my eyes off of open over stuff. Did you want to read that? I 
Okay. Um, I have a sister-in-law, so excuse me, my son's sister-in-law, who's raised Jewish, so was my daughter-in-law. And all of a sudden, Shauna this week put on Facebook that she wants to know where can she go to church. She's been going to Jewish synagogue, especially after her mother died. She went for a year to do the Kaddish stuff. And now she's saying that she needs God. And this is a kind of a bitter, angry woman. And, and so she's got friends who are inviting her to church. If she comes to the Lord, if the Lord changes her life, my daughter-in-law will see it. My son will see it. And it's just that all these things are just kind of like piling on. But I'm so thanking God because every time I turn around, when something happens, when somebody, like we had a customer say bad things about my company on the Internet, one of our subcontractors was gossiping about us. And I, and I called Bill Bullock, actually, and said, can we talk? And he said, you know, even if there's just like a little tiny one half of 1% of truth in what these people are saying, this is thank God for it. Thank God for our enemies. Thank God for the people who come against us because he, God uses them to show us little bits of stuff that, that he wants us to clean out of our lives. It's just been, okay. <laughs> Take it back. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Yeah, Mike. John 15, uh, ch John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he trims so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. It's one of my life verses, John 15. Abiding in the vine. Abiding in the vine. Amen. Yeah, Carol. You all have been praying with me for my son, and um, out of obedience... I felt prompted in my heart to invite him to breakfast tomorrow. And I said, I, I went ahead out of obedience and invited him. And I'm not afraid of my son. I love my son. But spiritually with him right now, I never know what's going to come at me. And uh, I, so I feel like I'm in way in over my head. I'm not typically a person who goes around casting out demons and this sort of thing. So I never know spiritually where we're at. But... Um, the Lord has given me some verses specific to pray over him, and I'm so excited because his word, when he declares it, it will happen. And um, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and the shalom that he has in us can break that anarchy. So on one side, um, please keep me in prayer tomorrow with Dean, um, that, that God will help me to be resourceful and have ideas to find ways to just connect with him and love him and you know, I don't have a very good poker face. So, <laughs> um, and the other thing is, I just, I have a praise. Um, Millie says things sometimes that are so profound, and she knows me well enough now that when she says things to me, I know it's coming from God. So, going through this season where we've been fasting, and I've come to realize that there's actually a lot of different fasts that have been going on in my life. Um, some of them intended, some of them not intended. But one of them has been the fast from income. Um, that obviously was unintended.
but it's been a fast. This has afflicted my soul for a long time. And um, God is showing me so many things and changing how I think about things. And I'm so excited about what he's doing there. But um, I had an interview the other day, and it was like, um, there's like going to the first, first part of your career, and there's going to like before the first part of your career. That, that was that interview. But I'm trying to keep good attitude, and I'm trying to be humble, and I'm saying, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. If that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. And so Millie and I talked right after I had that interview, and after I left the interview, my heart just sank. And um, I just thought, wow, that just, I don't know, that seems like it's going to be really frustrating and really boring. And I just secretly prayed in my heart that, um, you know, I'm like, well, Lord, we still have a day before I have to answer them. So you still have time to do something different. There's a whole day. You could bring something else in the works that's non-existent. And so when I got back from that interview, I talked with Millie and I told her about it. She goes, wow, Carol, she says, that just sounds really boring. And um, I just, at first, my first thought was, well, you know what's not boring is trying to figure out how you're going to pay your bills every month. And then I thought, she's so honest and she's so pure that way. I thought, oh my goodness, she's so right. I'm like, she's right, Lord. That just sounds really boring. She is so right. I'm like, Lord, you know, okay, this, maybe you could create something new. So by the time I got home, um, there was an email in my inbox uh, from Colorado School of Mines for, you know, a career position. And um, they invited me for an interview. Now, the funny thing is, I submitted my, in my application in a temporary admin pool. And nothing has happened with it. It's not gone anywhere. Um, but somehow, because technologically I was in the system, they sent me a computer aid, a computer generated email that said, do you want to apply for the next pool? Like, basically, that was a fake pool, and now that school started, we really have one. But I couldn't figure out how to transfer my application that I'd already put in there, and I don't want to refill it all out. I couldn't figure how, how to move it to the new job. So it's just been sitting in there like queue. Um, and because it's been sitting in the queue, it's like they, they noticed my resume, like, what are you doing? Are you going to apply? Are you not going to apply? If you've already applied, you're, you get file 13. <laughs> um, but it's been sitting in the queue, so it kept bringing up a notification, you know, what, what is happening with this application? What needs to go on with it? And the neat thing is so exciting. They picked my application, and they picked me to interview for this job. I never applied for it. And when we got there, uh, this gentleman asked me if I'd like to see the place, and I said yes. And when he pointed to, he says, well, I'm going to be sitting here. So he said, I thought this would be your office. The funniest thing is that office was arranged exactly in the position and orientation of the last person I served. And exactly like, I'm like, because I was praying, I don't want to get this wrong, Lord. You know I can get it wrong. And it was just so exciting because it was so clear. And I have another interview. The egg is not in the basket. But I'm just trusting that the Lord will preserve that for me. So that's a praise. Father, I just thank you for what you do and how you do things, Lord. You give us the desires of our hearts. And, Lord, and I know that Carol's first desire is that her son... Lord, that there would be a restoration and full relationship with them, but also that he would come to, them to know you in a way that was just deeper than anything that she could imagine. And Father, I pray for a favor in this job, this interview. 
Lord, just go before her, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for um, just how faithful you are. Sometimes when we are just so down in the dumps, you are able to pick us up. And Lord, there's nothing boring about you. Hallelujah. So, Father, favor, favor, favor. Meshem Yeshua. Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. There you go. There you go. New things. New things. Well, we've got a few minutes I can share. Anybody else have anything that they want to? Okay. I just uh, really want to talk about, kind of give an intro to this season. First of all, anybody here, this is your first time that you're really experiencing the Feast of the Lord? Your first time? Everything, all things have become new. Sarah, have you been, you've ex this first time? Kyle, probably first, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, give a little bit of an introduction. When I saw, and here we have the title, Introspection, Expectation, Habitation. And, uh, you know, I just had this verse this morning, this scripture. Turn to Revelation 22. It's not... I don't think you guys have it up there, but it's okay. Turn to Revelation 22. I love this passage of Scripture, starting in verse 13. These are the last words of Yeshua in all of Scripture. So I would pay attention to what he says here. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. How fortunate are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Yeshua, have sent my angel to testify these things to you for my communities. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The Ruach and the bride say, come. The Ruach and the bride say, come. The Ruach and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes freely take the water of life. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his share in the tree of life in the holy city, which are written in this book. The one giving testimony to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Yeshua. May the grace of the Lord Yeshua be with all. He's coming soon. The Spirit and the bride say, come. The Kehilah, the Ecclesia, Israel says, come. This season has us focus on the coming king. It really does. You know, God is into the seasons. He really is. He's into the times of the year. We've been in this 
last month of Elul, which Michelle had been sharing about. And I really took it seriously this time. It's like, Lord, search me. Open myself up. If there's anything that you need to show me, do it, Lord, so that I can shiva, so I can repent, so I can turn from that stuff. And God's been showing some stuff. God's been showing some stuff in me and others who I know who have been really taking this seriously. And, and that's a good thing. I want you to know when you feel the conviction of the Lord on areas in your life, it's a good thing. There's no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. But conviction of the Holy Spirit is, is him gently showing us areas in our lives so that he can bring us into alignment, so that he can fill us with his glory, with more of his presence, with more of who he is. So there's a 40-day period from the beginning of Elul number one, Elul one, the first day of Elul, which was September 1st, 40 days until Yom Kippur. It's a time where we hear the sound of the shofar, to remind us, to awaken us, to warn us, to, to be reminded of the king. That's what this time is all about. And I know what God has been speaking to me, and I know what God has been speaking to his bride and his congregations, is he's speaking about holiness. He's speaking about holiness. He wants to fill us with his glory. And... He's a holy God. He wants us to come into his presence, but we can only come into his presence when we get rid of that stuff that's keeping us from his presence. Idolatry. You know, we don't build totem poles in our backyard. We don't have altars in our houses. Well, maybe some of us do. I hope not. But we don't build little things out of wood and, and, and silver. We don't have, but we have idols up here. We, we surely do. We have ways that we have behaved over the years that have become idols in some way. We have beliefs and philosophies that have become idols. And God says, tear that down. Tear that down. And there might even be some good things that you've been doing, but God says, hey, I want to I take you to another level. I want to take you deeper. So there's idolatry that he wants to deal with, and that's through repentance, turning from those things. And that's what teshuvah is, is to turn from those things, to turn from whatever we are following and turn to follow his ways. That's why we sing, es chayim, to turn from those things and to turn to following in the ways of Torah, the ways of truth, the instructions of God. Getting rid of false lovers bringing us back to our first love. And I don't know about you, 40 years ago this month is when I came into that relationship. I didn't know him as Yeshua. I knew him as Jesus. I didn't know anything about a messianic anything. All I knew was I fell in love with Yeshua. I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with the Lord. And there was a burning. There was a love that I'd never experienced before. And over the years, I've gotten a lot of training, a lot of education, a lot of experiences, and I've done a lot of things, but that cold, that coldness has come upon my heart, had come upon my heart. I don't know about you. I lost that first love. I'm not saying I lost my salvation or anything like that, but I have lost, and so many of us have lost our first love. 
I remember when I first got saved, and man, I had all my druggy friends and everything, and all I would do is just share. They would want to know, why, come on, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And I would just share them about what happened to me. And they would walk away, but I didn't care. I didn't care. God wants us to come back to that place of first love. We've seen this, and I've been talking about this over the weeks, ministries have been exposed. Because he wants to restore a fear of the Lord that has kind of left his body. There's been a fear of the, you know, we become buddy-buddy with God. We become familiar with God. And I'm not saying he doesn't call us, he calls us his friends. But there's a holiness and there's an awesomeness about God that we can't lose. The fear of the Lord is that incredible reverence when we go, wow, God, your presence is filling this place. That's what he's wanting to restore in us is the fear of the Lord. And he's, he's exposing these things for our good because he's more interested in our hearts. He's more interested in our integrity and in our character than in our gifts and in our anointings. So yes, it's been a time of introspection for me, for many of us. And it's interesting because at this time of year, as we come into Yom Teruah tomorrow, and it's become Rosh Hashanah, it's traditional in the, in the synagogues and Messianic congregations to read Psalm 24. So I want to read Psalm 24. We, I think we did this last week, but I want to do it again this week. A Psalm of David. The earth is Adonai's and all that fills it, the world and those dwelling on it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may go up on the mountain of Adonai? Who may stand in his holy place? One with clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted his up his soul in vain, nor sworn deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from Adonai, righteousness from God, the salva his salvation. Such is the generation seeking him, seeking your face, even Yaakov. Selah. Pause. Think about that. Who God is. Think about what he's done in your life. Think about that. Selah. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? Mikamocha. Adonai, strong and mighty. Adonai, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? Mikamocha. Adonai Sevoot, he is the king of glory. Selah. Pause. The fall feasts are here. It's interesting that God sets his kingdom calendar, and we have the first of the year is actually back. Actually, it's in Nisan, the month of Nisan, March, April, Passover. And then we have the, the spring feasts reminding us of. Yeshua's first coming. And then we have the summer. No feasts, only the Shabbat. We're working, we're toiling. But then suddenly around the end of summer, that month of Elul, 
There's a time of preparation. God is saying, Selah, pause from what you're doing. Start focusing upwards. The king of glory, he's coming soon. The king of glory, he's coming soon. The king of glory is coming soon. So when it says in the scriptures, Selah, it means pause. Think about what was just said. Think about what's going on. And there's a lot going on around us today. There really is. Stop. Think. Align. Get your hearts right. Look heavenward that the king of glory may come in. You know, in Colossians 3, it says, If you've been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above where Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Focus on the things above, not on the earthly. And it's easy to focus and be distracted by the things that are going on on planet Earth today. You can be overwhelmed. You turn on Fox News, CNN, hopefully not, but you turn on any of the media, you read anything, and you can be overcome. You'll become, you'll become down. You'll become depressed. And you go, what is going on? Everything is falling apart. Keep seeking. Look upward. See where he is seated. And just be reminded this, of this too, is that he holds everything in his hands. He's not like going, oh my, Oy, what do I do? He's not doing that. He's not doing that. And then tomorrow night, we celebrate Yom Teruah, the day of the blowing of the shofarot. And we see this in Leviticus 23, verse 23. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, in the seventh month on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder by blowing of shofarot, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. It's interesting. God is very specific about when to do it and what to do. We've added traditions and things along with that. But God is very specific. You take this day, the first of the seventh month, you set it aside. It's a Shabbat unto him. Bring a sacrifice unto him. What's the sacrifice we bring to him? Ourselves, us, our lives before him. What's the significance of the shofar? We've, we know this in a Messianic congregation. There's many things. I'll talk about them tomorrow. We'll, it's about warning. We hear that sound of the shofar. It's not a musical instrument. It's not a toy. It's not something we do casually, blowing the shofar. Warning. It's about calling the people to assembly. That's why every day during the month of Elul, we hear the sound of the shofar to, to bring us to that point of assembly. It's a, it's a call to worship. It's a call that the king is to be coronated. It's a call of repentance. It's also... We will hear the sound of the shofar on the day of the Lord, just in the same way it was heard at Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. And I guarantee when those people heard that sound of the shofar, they were not looking down. They were like, whoa! Yom Teruah, and that's the biblical name it's become, it's been morphed into Rosh Hashanah, which literally means the head of the year. It's become that traditionally. 
It's the end of the fiscal year or the civil year. And even in America, you know that the fiscal year ends on September 30th and the new fiscal year begins on October 1st. Very similar. But it's the seventh month of the kingdom year, the ecclesiastical year. And I think that's interesting, the seventh month, a perfect number, a kingdom number, perfection. Perfection, that's what the seventh month is. The rabbis, and, and even as we read Psalm 24, and they say, you know, the, the foundations of the earth were laid. The rabbis considered that Yom Teruah was the birth of the world. We don't know that for sure. They don't know that. But they consider that to be the birth of the world. And we're entering into 5780. I was doing a little bit of reading about this new year that we were entering into. And I'm not a numbers person. But the term, the, the 80, 80 is represented by the Hebrew letter pe, or fe, pe. It's kind of a, I don't know, a circular kind of. And it represents the mouth. The mouth. Watching what we're speaking, but also speaking words of wisdom. So I think this coming year, like I said, you know, I can't point you to scripture and verse, but I say this is a year to watch our mouths. This is a year of, of speaking, speaking, but speaking wisdom, speaking truth, watching our mouths. As we hear the sound of the shofar, it's a prophetic intercessory cry. It's not a musical instrument, like I said. It's not something casual. There's something prophetic in the sound of the shofar. You guys have heard that, heard that but I don't know if you know what all the, the calls on the shofar mean. And the first sound that we hear, and you'll be hearing it a lot tomorrow night, is the tekiah. Tekiah. Tekiah is a, is a prolonged, unbroken and it's, and it's it's sounded when the king comes, the coronation of the king, and it's like this. I believe that was probably the sound that was heard at Mount Sinai. God revealed himself. And then there's another call, and it's called the, there's another call on the, on the um, shofar called the teruah, teruah. Teruah is a staccato. It's uh, nine, at least nine, sometimes less, sometimes more, short bursts. And it's to let us know alarm. Awake from your spiritual slumber. Get up. Get ready. When the children of Israel would hear that, they would, something's going on. Something's going on. A teruah. And then we have another call. It's called shevarim, which is three, three kind of somber, weeping sounds on the shofar that reminds us of he's here to deliver us and, and other things. But here it goes like this.
Oftentimes we'll hear those like when we start the service, all of those at the same time. It's a prophetic intercessory cry. It's not just a, a sound. Oh, that's a Jewish thing. No, it's an intercessory cry from God. And when we hear that during the month of Elul, it's a, it's a doorway to alignment. It's a doorway to come into his presence and to get rid of the stuff that's been hindering us. When we hear that at Yom Teruah, like tomorrow night, it's the end of that time of introspection. Although, when does that time of introspection really ever end? We're always in that process. But now we enter into this incredible time of the year, the high point of the entire year for our people. It's the 10 days of awe. Yomayim Norayim, the 10 days of awe. Well, we're looking up. We're filled with expectation. So we had introspection, and now we have expectation of the coming king. We look into the king's perfection and the completion of God's purposes and the final harvest that is going to be coming up. You know, at many Jewish weddings, you'll hear the sound of a shofar, which is interesting. Not at all Jewish weddings. It's not in the scriptures. But it's become a tradition in a lot of them. In Isaiah 61, verse 10, it says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels. You think about a wedding and, you know, a lot of times the Jewish tradition is that when the, you know, the, the betrothal takes place and nobody knows when the wedding is going to take place except the father. And then when the father says it's the right time, the sound of the shofar is heard throughout the village. And that's the gathering together for the wedding feast, the wedding feast. I think that's a beautiful picture. Now, when that bride is standing there or when that groom is looking at his bride, do you think either one of them is thinking about their past lovers, girlfriends or boyfriends, regrets? Oh, man, look at that beautiful bride coming down. Wow, what am I doing here? Why would I? No, their focus is solely on each other. There may be a hundred people around, but their focus is solely on each other. The spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. God is saying to us today, look with expectation. I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. Next week, Yom Kippur. We read about this in Leviticus 16. It's also in Leviticus 23, but I want to read this passage from Leviticus 16, verse 29. It says, It is to be a statute to you forever, that on the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you are to afflict your souls. There we go, Carol. You afflict your soul. It says it right there. And do no kind of work, both the native-born and the outsider dwelling among you. For on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you from all your sins. You will be clean before Adonai. John 15. 
It is a Shabbat of solemn rest to you. And you are to afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. The Kohen who is anointed and who is consecrated to be Kohen in his father's house will make the atonement and put on the linen garments, the holy garments. It's a day of humbling. It's a day of embracing the work of the cross. Afflict your souls and it's often referred to as fasting. Do we need to observe? Let me ask that question. Do we need to observe Yom Kippur? Yeah? Okay. Why not? Definitely. Any other thoughts? Because I say yes. For us, we do observe. Do I require that upon everybody else? No, I don't. Is it a salvation issue for them? No. For me, it's not a salvation issue at all. It's an inheritance issue, and it should be for us. It's about inheritance. It's a joy to sell. Even though this is a solemn day, it's a joy to take part in this. We know that Yeshua, and we do this in the full, that Yeshua is our Kippur. He is our atonement. And we, so we do so with the full understanding that Yeshua was the final sacrifice and atonement for all of us. But it was given to the Jewish people to do all of us all the time forever, it says. Besides Passover, it's the most significant appointed time for not just observant Jews, but secular Jews also. Everybody. Most fast. Most go to the shul. It's probably the only day of the year, like Christians who only go to, to church on Christmas or Easter. All Jews, they go to the synagogue on Yom Kippur. Whether they're observant or not, it's just something you do. But as Messianics, we, we recognize and we celebrate Yeshua as our Kippur. And on that day, God seals his judgments of all people for the coming year. We celebrate, and this is why I love celebrating Yom Kippur, and why I encourage all to do it, is I, I, it, it's, it, we celebrate the permanent sealing that we have of the Holy Spirit within us. We celebrate that fact. And you know what else? And I was talking about this a little bit last night and last week as I shared with Gateway on Mount Zion is that, you know, we, we, we give our words to things during the year. We make vows to people during the year. And we break vows. We make vows and we don't keep them, okay? Kol Nidre means all vows. It's an opportunity for us to break those vows. It's also an opportunity for us to come together in a corporate body and repent of our sins. So that's why I believe Yom Kippur is so important. Humility is the center of the gospel. One of the Hebrew words for humility is anav. And it means literally to kneel. To kneel. And that word comes from a, um, when a plow would plow the ground the low spot where the water would flow, the furrow in the ground, was that anav, that low place. There's a picture. The one who has lost his own life and becomes one with the object of our focus. That's the picture of Yom Kippur. Bride embracing the work of Messiah on the cross. Not only embracing the work of Messiah on the cross, but despising the enemies of the cross.
What are the enemies of the cross? Pride, shame, unbelief, traditions of man, hypocrisy, sowing seeds of disunity, losing our first love, words of death, not life, selfishness, self-pity. I'm just naming a few, guys. I'm just giving you kind of, this is not a gossip. I hate gossip. Brings death. It's a Hebrew term, Lashon Hara. It's not exactly the same as gossip. Lashon Hara can be truth, but it's used for the wrong purpose. It's used for evil purpose, evil speech. I won't get into all this, but basically we see Yom Kippur. It's, there's two goats. There's the goat of the Lord, the Chatat Adonai, and there's also the Azalel, the scapegoat. The sins of the people of Israel are put on the, the, the goat for the Lord and it's, it's slaughtered and the blood is, 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 is sprinkled on the altar. The Azazel, the scapegoat, are all the sins of Israel, generational sins and curses are put on that goat and sent out into the wilderness never to be seen again. And it shows me something. There's, there's a couple of layers of sin that we need to be aware of. There's the sins that we commit on a daily basis, behaviors, attitudes, and things like that. But there's also, there's generational things and curses that need to be broken off of us. Now, some people have this mistaken thing when they come into the Lord, when they get saved, when they have an encounter with Yeshua, that somehow all of those curses and generations things are automatically gone. And then you wonder, why do I keep on doing the things? And you know what? I saw my mom do that. I saw my grandmother do that. And I saw that. We see these things, and maybe there's something we need to deal with, generational things. The end of Yom Kippur, we also hear this sound, and it's biblical. We read this in Leviticus chapter 25, 9, it says, You shall then... Sound a ram's horn abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound a horn all through your land. You shall thus consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim a release through the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. There's that sound of the shofar. Talking about jubilee, talking about freedom, entering into that year of jubilee. Hallelujah. Oh, there's so much, there's so much. And I'm, I just want to finish with talking about Sukkot. And there's so much more that I can share. But um, Sukkot is, is the final of the, these major festivals of the Lord that's talked about in, in um Leviticus chapter 23, and matter of fact, I'll read those verses real quick. Verse 39. So on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruits of the land, you are to keep the feast of the Adonai for seven days. The first, first day is to be a Shabbat rest, and the eighth day will also be a Shabbat rest. 
On the first day you are to take choice fruits of, the, of trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brooks, and rejoice before Adonai your God for seven days. And you are to celebrate it as a festival to Adonai for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it in the seventh month. You are to live in Sukkot for seven days. All the native born in Israel are to live in Sukkot so that your generations may know that I had B'nai Yisrael, the sons of Israel, to dwell in Sukkot when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. Praise God. It's a picture of intimacy. That's what Sukkot is all about. It's a picture of intimacy. Dwelling. The bride dwelling with her groom. Yeah, it's a time of habitation. So it's introspection and expectation. Now is a time of habitation. The children of Israel gathered in these, in these Sukkot. You know, it's interesting because all through Genesis chapter 1, God in the, be, in the beginning, God created things. He says, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, it is not good. What's not good for the man to be alone? And that word to be alone is levad, levad in Hebrew. It's made up of le is two, and vad would be, uh, it's two letters that made up of the bet, which is a picture of a tent, like a sukkah, three sides, top. Bet is the tent, and the dalet is the door, is the door. It's a picture of man at the door of his tent looking for fellowship. And we see this personified in, with Abraham in chapter 18 of, verse, of Genesis. It says, the Lord appears to Abraham. He's sitting at the door of his sukkah, the door of his house. And the Lord comes walking up to fellowship with Abraham, to share with him the promises that he has for him. It's a memorial to our wilderness experience. We talked about the four species. We're going to have the four species here when we do Sukkot. He says, do this when you come into the land. It's a picture of the final harvest. The fruit of the land, the early harvest, we have the barley harvest. And in the early years, it's the grains, the early grains. But now it's the fruits of the land, the, the juicy, the pomegranates, the good fruits of the lands. It's a revelation of God dwelling with us. And we see this personified in Yeshua. In John chapter 1, 14, it says, And the word became flesh and sukkah among us, tab tabernacled among us. And we saw his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Michelle shared this with me the other day in Psalm 27, 5. It says, For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. God says, he says, God will hide us in his sukkah in the evil day. And then we see Yeshua celebrating the festival of Sukkot. He comes into Jerusalem. And there's a whole, I won't get into the whole, um, I'll probably share about it more next week in the next couple of weeks because we're running late. But there's a whole process there's a whole celebration for seven days that goes on and on the seventh day there's a procession they've been doing this for the previous six days of from the from the temple down to the to um the pool of siloam and the priests bring a a, a pitcher of water and they pour out water and 
and wine on the altar in the temple. And on the seventh day, they circle the altar seven days. And it's just the crowd is just, is, and this is when Yeshua comes and he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. At that exact time, when the water is being poured out on the altar, is when he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Amazing. Amazing. Rivers of living water. This is when Yeshua stood up and said, do you want really? Do you really want the living waters of the Holy Spirit? And this shocked the crowds. And it really kind of upset the religious leaders of the day because he claims to be equal with the creator himself. He says, if you believe in me, you put your heart and your trust in me, I will bring you waters, living waters, and they will flow from your innermost being. And I just want to close. And you've all seen this before, except a few of you. In John chapter 14, verse 20. And I'm going to show this for maybe even only one person. My envelopes, the infamous envelopes. John 14, 20, because this is all about Sukkot. This is what Sukkot is all about. It says, in that day, in John 14, 20, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. This is a picture of Sukkot. There's God, the Father. This is for you, Kyle. This is for you, Sarah. Yeshua is in the Father. I am in Yeshua. Isn't that beautiful? But we're not done. Yeshua is in me. So from the end of that verse to the beginning, Yeshua is in me. I'm in Yeshua. We're in the Father. That's why I said, stand with me. That's why I said at this time of the year, set your hearts and set your minds on things above where Messiah is seated with his Father because guess what? We've been raised up and we've been lifted up and we are seated with him in heavenly places. Amen. So that's kind of an overview of this season that we're going into. And um, I just love this time of the year. It reminds us of that. How protected am I? Who's my defender? Who's my provider? Who's the one that cares for me? This is what I consider to be sukkahing with God. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this season that we're entering into. Lord, I bless my friends, my brothers, my sisters. Most of all, Lord, we glorify you, Lord God. And Lord, even as we come into this season, Lord, I pray for fresh revelation. I believe the Father is saying to each and every one of us, I'm going to be taking you places you have never been before. And it may seem a little bit uncomfortable, it may seem a little bit scary, but this is some place that is going to be good for you. But fear not, because I am with you. And I will walk with you. I'm bringing you through a new door. A dalet. Dalet. 
I'm bringing you through a new door. You see the door. It's before you. You don't know what's on the other side, but God is saying, I want you to come into that new place. Trust me. New season, new year, new revelations, a higher level with him. So, Father, I just pray that as we go into that place and we go through that door, Lord God, Lord, that our trust in you would be even greater than it was yesterday. Greater than it was yesterday. In Yeshua's name, amen. I'll speak a blessing over you. Yevrechicha Adonai Vishmarecha Yair Adonai Panav Ehlecha Bihunecha Isa Adonai Panav Ehlecha Veyasem Lecha Shalom Yisa Adonai Panavehu Lecha Veyasem Lecha Shalom The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, his peace, his presence, his glory, his grace, his mercy. B'shem Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. God bless you. Well, these are, I've had different sets. This is probably, I brought this to, I traveled all through Africa with this. So, I showed that to them there about 20 years ago. Yeah. So it's just something that's just become part of me. So we are having some food downstairs. God bless you. Join us downstairs for, for Oneg and amen.
and choose to stay whom you will serve.